0: Today, as we come together for a baptism service, and I talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, honestly, I don't think I can talk about it enough. It is amazing to see people who have committed their lives to something and someone greater than themselves, to commit themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only are they willing to do that, but they're also willing to declare that to everyone here and to declare to really the whole world around them that they are following Jesus with their whole life and that they are walking in newness of life. So today, as uh, I had the opportunity to preach to you today, which I always enjoy the opportunity, I love to be able to open God's Word, and especially on a day in which there's already so much excitement with baptism Uh, I wanted to kind of use that as our theme, as our jumping off point, if you will, as we're going to be looking at, I'm just going to take a few minutes to look at baptism. We're going to do really a baptism review. If you've taken our baptism class that every one of these three that has come up, they came and they took a class and learned about what baptism is, uh, what it's meant for, and ultimately even talked about sharing their testimony, which may I say, my favorite part by far of the baptism service it's great to see people following but to hear their faith journey to hear how they came to know jesus christ from their own lips is always so encouraging to me and i hope it's encouraging to you as well and today as we talk about baptism i'm hoping that uh don't just tune me out and think, oh, here's another baptism class, okay? I really feel that God has something for each and every one of us today that we need to learn as it relates to baptism and ultimately as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ itself. Now, up to yesterday, I, hadn't, I really didn't have a really great feel for how, what illustration. You know, every preacher wants to find some kind of illustration to help get things started. But I wasn't sure what that was going to be until I came yesterday to Carson and Katie's wedding. Now, if you were here at the wedding, it was, an, it was a great service, great ceremony, and it's always incredible to watch two people that are ready to walk in a new life together as a couple. And uh, it was encouraging, it was, it was nice, you go, you go away with kind of like warm, fuzzy feelings. It's always nice to go to a wedding. But you know, as I started thinking about the wedding, and in particular the wedding ceremony, I started to think, you know what, this wedding ceremony, although it is for the bride and groom, really, they could get married by going any eloping or they could do something where they wouldn't have to have a big ceremony and you'd still be married you'd still enjoy that marriage and you know what you would still that person would still be your husband still be your wife and you could still live a great life with one another but you know what a ceremony gives the opportunity to do is not just to get married to one another which is of course a good a, a big deal but it is to show all those who are in attendance they are witnesses of your love together and witnesses of the fact that you are going to start a new life with one another and that's really what it is and you get to uh, declare it to the world that hey she's my wife or he's my husband and as they walk down the aisle and the first time that a couple is announced as Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so in the case of yesterday Mr. and Mrs. Kate or Carson Prince sorry Caden you're not married yet um, but uh, uh, when we when that happens they're able to declare to everyone that he is mine and she is mine and we together are going to follow the Lord together in this life and, you know, as I think about baptism, I think, you know, what in a certain way, in a spiritual sense, with our relationship with Jesus Christ, it's kind of similar. If you think about baptism, you know, people are saved. We talked about that. Faith is not required that you have to go into uh, the water to be baptized. You can know Jesus as your Savior. You can know him intimately. You can uh, devote your life to him. And yet, some people have never gone through baptism. Now, I will say that if that's you, you really should do it couple of reasons it's a great opportunity to declare it to the world but also the lord jesus himself says you should do it so if you haven't been baptized i would strongly encourage you that the lord would want you to do that to declare his works and his love to those around you but as we come to a baptism that's exactly what it is it's declaring to all of you who are here and all of those who uh hear about it and maybe there was a video taken and people who watch the video it's declaring to everyone around you know what i am christ's and he is mine. I mean, there's no greater picture as we see that going under like the death of Jesus and then being risen again to newness of life, which we'll talk about in just a minute. So today, as we talk about baptism, there's a few times i are going to reference back to a wedding. And that's going to be kind of the illustration that will run through the, through the theme of here. But in a very spiritual sense, I see that when we declare our love and our allegiance and really our intimacy with Jesus Christ, that's what we're doing through baptism. And hopefully that will continue with the way we live as well. And uh, so that's where we're going to be going from. But before uh, we get into too much, let's just do a quick review. Let's do a quick review of what uh, we've looked at at baptism. Now, I do this every day at ABF. I know you guys are getting tired of review, but I think it's important that we understand what it is baptism is all about. Uh, First of all, as I talked about earlier, baptism is a public declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's a public declaration. Demonstration or a public declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ, and that's exactly what we saw today. It was three people saying, "I want you to know, and I want everyone to know that I am following Jesus Christ." Just like I just talked about the wedding, it's the same idea. As the groom and bride uh, walk out, as they come into the the reception hall, they want to declare to the world that, "Look, we are together. We are married." And uh, that's exactly as we look at baptism, I am the Lord's, and that is what baptism is showing us. Uh, If you want to turn over with me real quickly as you uh, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 11, and we'll get there in just a second as we look at our next point. But If you want to go to Romans chapter 6, that would be great. Romans 6, 3 through 11. And that's where we're going to see that baptism is really a physical representation of, of what Christ has already done for us spiritually. Any of his followers. and So baptism is a physical representation of what Christ has done spiritually for his followers. So as we go to Romans chapter 6, we're going to read a few verses and we'll talk about what that means. What has Christ done for you if you've accepted Jesus Christ? What, has Christ, what will Christ do if you become a follower of him? So let's look at Romans chapter 6 starting in verse 3. Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with Him in the likeness of His death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of His resurrection." For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died died is freed from sin's claims. Now if we died with Christ, we believe also that we will live with him, because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, no longer dies. Death no longer rules over him, for in that he died, he died to sin once and for all, and that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the passage we see. So what is it then? we come to the baptism, the physical baptism of actually going in the water and out, what is it representing? Well, when this passage talks about baptism, it's talking about spiritual baptism and what Christ is doing and what the point is. And as we look at this, we see of three things as we look at this passage in Romans chapter six that we'll hit really briefly this morning. First of all, we see that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been, you are, you have died to sin. You have died to sin. Not that you're never ever going to commit another sin or ever do anything again that will displease God, but what it means is, is that you no longer serve sin. Sin no longer has control over you. If you know Jesus as your Savior, He has defeated sin. And as baptism shows His death, You think about it as you go under the water, it's kind of symbolizing his death and then rising again as you come out of the water. So he died so that we could die to sin. The second thing that it represents is that not only have we died to sin as followers of Jesus Christ, but that we have been made alive. You see, it's not just that we are no longer controlled by sin, but it's now that we're controlled by someone else. You see, sin doesn't control us, but the Lord Jesus Christ himself Controls us Just as Christ died and rose again, so we have died to our old self and now have been risen again to what the Bible calls newness of life. To live a life in which we are committed to Jesus Christ, that we are following him and not following our own will and our own desires throughout our life. And finally, and I just mentioned this, the third thing is they are called to live in a new way. Not only have we died to sin as followers of Christ not only have been made alive to him to follow him but also we are called to live in newness of life and I want to implore you if you have accepted Christ even been baptized possibly and yet you are not walking in a way that is any different than you were before or a way that is any different than those around you who don't know Jesus Christ really take time to consider whether you truly know him at all because we should be walking in newness of life. And that is what baptism shows. The death, the, the, the burial, and the resurrection and then go forth to live in newness of life. And my prayer for all three that did that today is that they will leave this, these doors walking in newness of life as they hopefully have been since the time they've accepted Christ. So make sure uh, that you think about that in your own life. Uh, So as we talk about baptism, you think, well, okay, is this just a new thing? And a lot of you guys know this isn't a new thing. Uh, It's actually something that's been around since the very beginning of the church that Jesus Christ established. And that's, for a few minutes, we're going to look at the book of Acts, because I think there's some important threads that we can see that are woven through the book of Acts when it talks about baptism. So there are many examples of baptism in the New Testament, and the book of Acts provides some of these. Now, if you turn your notes over, they're right on the back of your notes. And I did this simply for time's sake. If you wish to follow along in scripture, feel free to do that. However, we may go a little fast. We're going to look at some of these passages, and we're going to look at what we see happen in the book of Acts. So if you turn over your note sheet, let's start at Acts 2.41. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. We're just going to read these, and then we're going to go back and look at the common threads. Acts chapter 8 verse 12 Acts chapter 8 verse 12 but when they believed Philip as they as as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ both men and women were baptized Acts 8:35 through 38 Philip proceeded to tell him and this is the Ethiopian eunuch to tell him the good news about Jesus beginning from that scripture and they were traveling down the road they came to some water and the eunuch said look there's some water what would keep me from being baptized And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Going on to Acts chapter 10, verses 47 through 48. Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We see that in a group of people there. Acts 16, 14-15, a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who had worshipped God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. After that, she and her household were baptized. Acts 16, 31-33, and this is a pretty popular verse, you may have heard it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household, Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house, and right away he and all his family were baptized. And finally, Acts Acts 18.8. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed the Lord and along with his whole household. Also, many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed, and were baptized all right so these are this is a handful of verses from the book of acts that we see people being baptized so this isn't just some new thing the church has made up because people want to get wet okay this is about uh, uh although on a day like today i mean a swimming pool sounds good but as we but as we think about baptism as we think about how this works it started way back at the beginning of the church that's how important it was people were coming to know jesus christ and immediately followed him through the waters of baptism that's the example we see, and, and we are called to follow the example of those who have gone before us, and I believe that that is one of the main reasons, too, why today it is so important that we continue to baptize, because Jesus and his followers believed that baptism was important, and so should we. So, let's look at a couple of common threads. Three common threads we see throughout these verses. First one is important. Faith precedes baptism. In each one of these sections that we read, you can read the context if you wish as well in Acts, What we see happen is people come to know Jesus, they believe in him, they show faith in Christ, they trust him with their lives, and then they are baptized. You see, some churches and some people believe it's the opposite way around. It's almost like you're baptized and that gives you the faith, or somehow by being baptized that allows you to be saved. But the truth is, throughout scripture, you see that salvation only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So they have faith in Christ and then they are baptized. The next thing we see as a common thread is that baptism was an immediate desire. Or you could say an immediate response. But an immediate desire to knowing Jesus as their Savior was, I want to be baptized. Especially as we look at the Ethiopian eunuch. That's such a great passage. He He understands scripture. He believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And what does he do? He begs Philip. He says... Where can I be baptized? There's the water. Let me be baptized. What must I do? He is excited and he's ready to immediately embrace following Christ in baptism. Once again, I would say to you if you are saved and yet you have not gone through the waters of baptism, please consider doing so. And finally, we see that people were passionate about declaring their faith. There was no question. There was no, oh, I don't know if I should or whether I shouldn't. Oh, I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of nervous. No, people knew Christ and they wanted people to know about it. That's really what baptism was all about. Because remember, they're being baptized in open bodies of water. It's not like they had to take them to a special room with a special tank to baptize people. Rivers were being used and streams and pools and different things were being used out in the open where people would see. And you know what? To accept Christ at this time, it was against the Jewish rulers. In a sense, in some ways, even the Romans would frown upon it. But yet people would be baptized and be willing to declare it to the world around them they were passionate about declaring their faith and i'll go back to the wedding illustration as we think about that uh we think about as we think about passion i mean there's probably no greater time that you see passionate love between a couple than when they're married you see how much they love each other unconditionally and you know what life will come and, and there'll be troubles and trials and their love will grow but you know what when they're married the passion of their love is known to all And you know, the same thing as we are baptized, we should be declaring our passion for Jesus Christ, that we love him and we are completely devoted to him and we are passionate about that. Um, So, these people did not desire to be baptized, just like we just talked about, simply because they wanted to get wet or because it was hot and they needed to cool off. That's not the case here. What the reason for their baptism was is they were passionate about what Jesus Christ had done for them. What Jesus Christ had done for them. They had passion for that. So you see, as we go on, the reason for their passion. So let's look at the reason for their passion. Why were they so passionate about being baptized? Why is this passion here? Well, I would say to you, it's a simple reason. Simply put, people were amazed at the grace of God. And this is where the title of the sermon, Amazing Grace, if you've seen that. Now, I meant it to have a question mark. I know in your outlines that didn't happen. But as we look at amazing grace, we need to ask ourselves the question, is God's grace really amazing to us? Is God's grace truly amazing to us? And I believe that people, as they accepted Jesus Christ, understood the grace that God offered them, and as being so, were passionate about following him through the waters of baptism uh grace if you don't know what the word grace means it means the free and unmerited favor of god in other words god gives us a gift of being able to know him and being able to expend forever with him and that's a gift that we can do nothing to deserve there is nothing that we can do we are not good enough because we are not god to earn his favor yet he gives it to us because he loves us he cares for us and he shows us his grace it is god's grace after all that has led us to salvation it is only because God decided to show love and grace to us that we can accept Him as our Savior and live a life following Him. It's only through His grace; it's not through our effort, but it's through His grace and what He shows us. Uh, in Titus ch- chapter two, verse eleven, Titus two eleven. If you want to turn over there, you're you're free to Titus two eleven. Um, talks about this idea that it is the it is the grace of God that has led us to salvation. Titus two eleven. Says this, for the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people. So God's grace is seen through the salvation of people. If we have as we've accepted Christ and his sacrifice for us, we've accepted his grace on our behalf. The unmerited favor that he's shown us through Jesus Christ. But what does that all mean? What is salvation? So let's take a minute to look at the essence of salvation. Now some of you are going to say, wait a minute, I'm saved. I know Jesus. Why are we going to go through this? I think that this message that I'm about to talk about, the gospel of Jesus Christ is by far the greatest message ever given anytime, anywhere, and I believe it should never get old. But yet, unfortunately, I think sometimes it does get old. Sometimes we hear it so much that we take it for granted. But I want you today to listen to this message, whether you already know Christ, or maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're confused maybe even what that means, or maybe you've heard it before, but you've never given your life over to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation for you. That's what I pray, and I want you to listen to God's word as we go through this. We won't take a whole long time to go through these verses, but what is here is the greatest story ever told. It is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's look at the essence of salvation in Jesus Christ. Well, the first thing we need to understand is that God created a perfect world, but man chose to sin. We see that in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, where we see the creation of the world as God uses his hands as his word to create the whole world, and it says at the end of all of that, that God looked upon his creation and it was very good. And we see that God created a good world, and he created a perfect world, and, and he created man to live in this perfect world, and yet man, because of pride and selfishness, chose to sin to really what they were doing is they were saying, God, you know what? I want to do it my way, not your way. That's what they were doing when they were sinning. When there was the tree and the fruit was there and Eve said, you know what? I want the fruit. And the serpent was there telling her to eat it. She said, I'd rather have the fruit than worry about what God said. I would rather do what I want over what God has told me not to do. And that first sin... Uh, we see it in genesis and we see it spiral and spiral and spiral we see it all through the book of genesis all through the old testament even till today we see that sin is never dead it is spiraling spiraling all over the world we see and since that first sin we see that god's perfect creation has now been corrupted by sin that has come about as a result of disobedience and pride so we see that we need to understand that now what does that mean for us well because of this sin has spread to all mankind and makes it impossible to please god romans three twenty three. if you want it's right on the back of your notes or you may look it up romans three twenty three. for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god this is a simple truth that we need to understand once adam and eve sinned that sin spread to the whole world and everyone now is a sinner by birth when we are born we are already a sinner we are destined to sin sin is our life we are a slave to sin and we see that because of that, in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We cannot reach the, the, the glory of God. We cannot reach His perfection. We cannot reach out to Him. We are really powerless when it comes to knowing God because He is so far away from us because He is so far away from sin and yet we are so penetrated by it. And that is the result of sin coming upon to the world. But there, it doesn't stop there. So even though it is impossible to please God, we also see that all men now deserve to die, but it's important to understand in Romans 6.23 it says the wages of sin is death. Okay, we'll hit that part first. The wages of sin is death. That's not just talking about physical death. That's talking about spiritual death as well. Not only will we die in this world because of sin, but we also deserve to die and be separated from God forever in a very real place called hell. And that is a truth that we see through Scripture, that uh, it is the wages of sin is death, both physically and spiritually. So up to this point, you said, I think I remember you saying this was the gospel, good news. So far, this is not good. So far, this is bad news, okay? Sin has come into the world, and we have no hope. But yet, many of you today know that there is hope. That hope is found through Jesus Christ. And number four here, under the essence of salvation, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to the world to take our punishment for sin by dying on the cross. Romans 5, 8 through 9. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, much more than since we now have been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved from, through him from wrath. Now, going back to Romans 6.23, remember it said the wages of sin is death, but then it said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is the eternal gift that is given us. This is the grace that God has shown us that Jesus Christ himself, God himself came down to this world, lived a human life, lived it in perfection so that he could die on the cross to take the punishment for your sin, my sin, and all the sin of the world. That's what Jesus did when he came to die. He died so we could be forgiven for our sins. And that is the grace that was shown to us. Now, after dying, though, it didn't stop there, because you might say, well, that's still good news that he died for our sins, but it's not really great news because Jesus is still dead. But yet, if you know the story, you know that Jesus is not still dead. He rose from the dead three days later. We celebrate that on Easter, and now he is living in heaven, waiting for us. He is alive. We serve a Savior and a God who is alive, not dead like other gods, not dead like the ones that people say are gods, but yet alive and living and waiting for us, and he has shown that He has the power over sin, the power over death, and we can have hope through that. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 tells us that, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have true and lasting hope because Jesus showed that sin and death no longer have power, that He defeated them, and, and as a result, now we can experience Him. We can live with him. We can experience eternal life with Christ himself. So then you say, well, that's great. So everybody's good then. Well, not exactly. The thing that we see throughout scripture is very, very clear. This grace that has been offered to us must be accepted. You see, if you have a gift, you have to take it in order to use it. If it just sits on the table, it's not a gift. It's just a decoration, I guess. You need to take the gift. I remember an illustration I heard once. Somebody put a $100 bill in an envelope, and uh, they, they handed out the envelope, or they were going to hand out the money, and the idea that he said was, look, if you accept the envelope, you're also going to accept the money. The idea here is that you need to accept it. You need to accept Christ. If you don't take the envelope, you're not going to get the money. You're not, it's not going to just float out because you want it to. The eternal life that God offers through Jesus Christ must be accepted by faith. Well, what is faith? It is believing in everything that Jesus says he is and did and was, believing that he is the Son of God, believing that he rose again, that he died for your sins, accepting his forgiveness. But it's more than just believing up here. It's trusting him with your life and saying, Jesus, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I see what you've done for me. I accept your grace, and I want to live for you. That is exactly what we're called to do. In Acts 20, 21, as, uh as Paul is talking, he says, I've testified to both Jews and Greeks about this is what they should do, about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. As we believe in Jesus, this word repentance really means turn. It's the idea that we're turning from our selfish ways and we're turning towards the Lord. And as we turn towards him in faith, that is when we are saved. That is when we accept Jesus Christ. That is when he comes to dwell with us through the Holy Spirit and we now are saved from wrath through him because he died, rose again, and now we have called upon him and we have turned from our ways and turned towards him. And that's exactly what the gospel is is that you and I today do not have to face the spiritual death that we deserve because God gave us grace. If you've accepted that today, don't forget it, and don't take it for granted. If you haven't accepted that, make today the day that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and say to him, I want to turn from myself, and I want to turn towards you, and I believe in everything that you say you are and everything that you say you've done, and I believe that. I believe you're the Son of God, and I'm going to follow you with my life. That is what you need to do if you want to have eternal life to live with him forever. And I pray for you today that if you don't, that you would do that very, very shortly. Whether today, this afternoon, talk to somebody you know who knows Jesus Christ and they will happily tell you how you can know him. So, that brings us finally to our, our last point this morning. Even if you've accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, you've accepted the grace that God has offered, we should always be amazed by it. I think as we talk about the wedding illustration, as we think back to that, this is kind of, this is an easy one, okay? You get married, you go on your honeymoon, and you know what, you have a great time with your, your wife or your husband, and you know what happens as life comes on, and you start having kids, and some of you have had grandkids, and you know, sometimes it's very easy to take for granted the person that you're living with. If, that, if you haven't, then great for you, you're like, you need to, you need to teach a marriage class, okay? <laughs> um, it's so easy to take our wife, our husband for granted, and forget about the, the passionate love that we declared the day that we were married. And my fear is that so many Christians today have, for whatever reason, gotten calloused by the gospel, that they, they hear it, but it doesn't really transform anything, and they don't really remember what God really has done for them. They take the grace of Jesus Christ for granted. In essence, what they do, we may sing a song, which we're going to get to sing later, which I'm really excited about, Amazing Grace, but you know what? Sometimes you don't really believe that it's really that amazing because we forget what Christ has done for us. This gospel that I just talked about, we can so easily take it for granted and we're just start living our lives and yeah, we come to church and yeah, we read our bible and yeah, this is a, a we're living a good Christian life even, but you know sometimes we forget what Christ has done and we don't we take it for granted and we are not passionate about it any longer. And I know I standing up here will attest to the fact that there are times in my life that i'm not passionate about the gospel and that comes out in the way i live it comes out in the way i talk it comes out in the way i treat my friends my spouse my kids when i don't understand the grace of god things go wrong because it is so easy to take it for granted but yet we should not Uh, we're in the book of titus we were in there last to look at titus chapter 2 if you turn just the next chapter titus 3 3 through 7 titus 3 Three through seven. I want you to listen to these words and see if they're written to you. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, captives of various pleasures and passions, living in malice and envy, hateful, even detesting one another. But when the goodness and love for man appeared from God our Savior, he saved us, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This is what Christ has done for you and me if we've accepted Him as our Savior. He has taken us from being dead to sin, being all of these things, being someone that is not desirable, someone who is not following God, someone that is following this world system and has no hope, no peace, no direction, and what He has done. And when the goodness and love and the loving kindness of God appeared to us through His grace, we now can experience eternal life and be heirs together with Jesus Christ as God has shown us the grace and love that we so don't deserve. And remember, it says there, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. It's not by us being good. It's by us accepting the goodness of Christ on our behalf. It's about accepting His righteousness on our behalf because we'll never be good enough. Now, if you turn back, there's a very similar passage in the book of Ephesians. If you turn back to the book of Ephesians, a very similar passage that I feel we need to read this morning as well ephesians chapter uh, chapter 2 verses 2 through 9 ephesians chapter 2 verses 2 through 9 actually I'll, I'll start a little bit earlier than 2 right right in chapter 2 it says and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to this worldly age according to the ruler of this world the spirit now working in the disobedient we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and by nature we were children under wrath as others were also. But God, who is abundant in mercy because of his great love that he has for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses. By grace you are saved. He also raised us up and, with him and seated us with him in the heavenly Places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. So we read those verses, and I hope you don't lose the power of what Christ has truly done for you, for me, if you've accepted Him as your Savior. And remember, if you haven't accepted Christ, this is what He can do for you. He can take you from all of this stuff that He talked about, inclinations of flesh and anger and uh, children of wrath, disobedient... Uh, <laughs> living our lives according to satan living our lives according to the flesh we can be changed and renewed and start living for christ through what through the grace of jesus christ It's mentioned three times as we see the word grace three times in this passage grace is mentioned please don't take god's grace for granted he has saved you even though you didn't deserve it he has saved me even though i didn't deserve it because of his great love his loving kindness his grace and mercy he chose to save us and we need to remember that not take it for granted and really reflect it back to him in praise and thanksgiving and and hopefully that'll allow us to once again be passionate about the gospel of jesus christ and not just living a monotonous rut in our life it doesn't end there god's grace does not just end at salvation this is where we're going to kind of step off if you want to go to ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 we were just there the next verse after what i just read says this for we are his creation created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them and then if you go back to titus i know we're flipping a little bit i know you're already in titus i should have told you to stay there but if you go back to titus and you look at titus chapter 3 where we just were just a few minutes ago and look at verse 8 we have a, a, a parallel passage and in Titus 3, verse 8, it says this. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. All right. So, we once were lost, but now we are found by God's grace. We've already looked at that. That's A on your thing. If God's grace does not end at salvation, first of all, we are created to do good, and then we are also asked and called to do good that's what these two verses are talking about as we look at this see the grace of god that has saved us is also the grace of god that should cause us to live for him as we talk about good works here i'm not saying that's what saves you by any means it's not we already talked about that we can't be good enough to have salvation But what I am saying is that when you experience the grace of God, you know what it should do. When you experience the grace of God, what it should do is amaze you. And when it amazes you, it should lead you to do what is right and what is good. And you should be desiring to do those things, to live a life of good works, to follow Christ and to live his way and not the world's way. That's exactly what these verses are saying. You see, because grace doesn't end at salvation. God gives you grace each day. Each day you wake up, God has given you grace that you're living another day. And each opportunity he gives you to serve in love to other people, that is him giving you grace to be able to serve. Grace never ends. And so many times we get caught up trying to live this life in our own strength and forgetting that God's grace didn't end at salvation, but God's grace is still being poured upon our lives each and every day. Don't forget that. And you will, you will desire to do what is right and desire to do what is good going back to the marriage illustration as we think about it, when you do get into a place where you've been married for a while and sometimes we can get in ruts and we can start taking our spouse for granted, you know, if we remember the amazing truth of the fact that that person loves us even though we don't deserve that love, let's be honest, (laughs) that we are amazed. When we are amazed by our spouse and the love that they have for us, that's when you see people renewing their vows. We see people really making a difference in their relationships with their kids and with their families because they are willing to see the grace and the love that they've had in marriage. Now, as we talk about Jesus Christ, are you passionate? Are you passionate about His love, about His grace? Do you remember His grace? And does that still amaze you? When we sing Amazing Grace in just a few minutes, are you really, do you really mean that? Is it really amazing to you? Questions to ponder as we close down. Questions to ponder for each and every person here. First of all, I want everyone here to have this question. Have you experienced God's amazing grace? Have you sitting here today known what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you accepted the gospel, the good news that we've talked about earlier? Have you given your life to him? Have you done that? And if you have not, as I said earlier, today is the day of salvation. Please talk to me. Talk to somebody you know who knows Jesus Christ and we would love to show you how you can know him as a, in a relationship that will never end, that will go on forever. Please don't miss that opportunity. Second question this morning. Are you still amazed by God's grace? Are you a Christian today and are you still amazed? Or have you taken it for granted? If you've been taking God's grace for granted, repent and remember what he's done. And see what he'll do through your passion that will come out of the fact that you remember the grace that he's shown you. And finally, are you relying on God's grace each day? You know, there's, we talk a lot, especially leadership. We talk about what can we do for the people of our church to encourage them to live maybe a more holy life. Maybe it's coming to church more often. Maybe it's uh, being in devotions more often. Maybe it's just making better decisions with the way they live. And you know what? I'm afraid that a lot of times not necessarily even this church leadership, but I just think leadership in general tries to address each problem we have by, by focusing on the problem. Like, okay, we, we see 150 at church one week and 200 the next week. Okay, there's got to be a problem. Let's tell people that they need to be at church. Okay, you know what? That is great. But you know what will cause people to want to be in these chairs? What will cause you to want to make a choice to be here rather than other places, rather than be at the ball field, rather than even be at work, rather than be anywhere else? What will cause you to want to be in these chairs with the people of Jesus Christ, worshiping Jesus Christ, is if you come back to a realization of what Christ has really done for you. And I believe that with my heart too. As I realize what Christ has done, it makes a difference in the way I live. My priorities change. The way I talk changes. The way I live changes because I am living in light of the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't do it every day. I have problems. I have issues. Okay, we all do. But yet, when I remember to walk in the grace of Jesus Christ, those are the days that I remember most. And those are the days that are the best days to follow Him because I am remembering daily what His grace has done for me and what His grace has done for you and what His grace continues to do for us daily. So are you walking in that grace? Or are you relying on your own strength? Are you relying even on you know doing the right things, but you're only doing it out of obligation, out of your own strength? Rely on the grace of Jesus Christ. Remember what he's done, but also remember what he's doing. And as you do that, I believe that we will see a people that follow him, a people that will be passionate about being with his people, a people that will be passionate about sharing the gospel with others, and people that will be passionate just like the three that were up here earlier, passionate enough to follow Jesus through baptism, but also declare it to the world. And I pray that all of us would come to that place. So those are the three questions to consider. I want you to really think about God's grace, God's amazing grace. And as, uh, I'm just going to say a quick word of prayer as the worship team comes forward to sing amazing grace with us, which will be a great opportunity to once again declare what Christ has really done for us. Lord, I thank you.